You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Man, is it good to be worshiping this morning? Man, good stuff. As I was walking up, if I understood her right, I don't know where she went, Allie, uh, I was just leading that song, I was walking off and she was like, sorry. And I was like, what, what are you sorry for? She's like, sorry, I just I get excited, I kind of freak out. I'm like, I think it's awesome, right? Man, don't we have an incredible team leading worship? Man, really cool, really cool. Um, hey, if you have your Bible, hope you do, go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter two, Daniel chapter two. And for those of you that care, and some of you, you're like me, your little OCD is really gonna annoy you. This morning, I'm preaching from the CSB, I typically use the ESV, English Standard Version. The CSB is very, very, very similar to the ESV. So Jack's like, well, why would you even change that up? My buddy Jack, wherever he is over there. The CSB is like the ESV, but some of the, defin- some of the words are a little simpler. Sometimes in the ESV, I'm like, I have no idea what that word means in English, right? Where the CSB, there's a little bit um, easier vocabulary. And so I'm gonna use that this morning, but um, just in case you're following along, they want you to be confused. Confused. Daniel chapter two. Students, has it been a good weekend? Yes, man, so good to see y'all here and excited about what God has done in your life. Speaking of students, I remember uh, when I was in high school, uh, I think like ninth or 10th grade, one of those grades, um, one night I uh, was asleep and was, had a dream that <laughs> there was a rat on the end of my bed eating pizza. Now like, I was in high school, that's all I can say, right? Like I don't really understand why, but I was, had this dream that a rat was at the end of my bed eating pizza, and slowly this rat crawled up. Again, it's a dream, don't, our house was not gross, okay? <laughs> um, this rat in my dream crawled up onto my chest, which is not cool, okay? Like, I know this may surprise you, but like, Varmints like that scare me, okay? <laughs> like, I don't do well with those things. And so as this rat crawls on my chest in my dream, it becomes very real and I wake up. Here's what you need to know. My hand, some of y'all, like maybe you've had a similar experience minus the rat thing, but my hand had fallen asleep on my chest and so it felt like dead weight. So when I woke up, I'm like, there's really a rat on my chest because it feels dead weight. So I threw the covers off. I can remember this so clearly. I threw the covers off, ran out this way to this little uh, kind of hallway, at the end of the hallway where I have two sisters and their rooms are right there. And I immediately begin to try to get the rat off my chest. Well, because my hand is asleep, every time I hit my chest, it feels like a rat is hitting my chest. And so my older sister walks out of her room. Her name is Lauren, not to be confused with my wife, Lauren. Lauren walks out and sees me standing in the hallway going, ah, ah. And she walks out and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, there's a rat attacking my chest. And of course, my older sister's like, you're so weird, Brandon. You're just hitting your chest, stop it. Finally, I come to and I'm like, you're right. <laughs> That's an odd moment when you have to go get back in bed and you're just like, my, I was a freshman, yeah, I was a freshman. My sister was a senior and like, she's gonna tell all her friends, right? This is not cool. Dreams can be weird, am I right? Yeah, dreams can be super, super weird. That may be the weirdest I've ever had or just goofiest with the whole hand falling asleep thing. Did you know though that God 
can actually use dreams to speak to people. Now, I'm not really sure what he was telling me with the whole rat eating pizza thing. (laughs) Actually, I'm sure he wasn't speaking to me on that. But God can use dreams to speak to people. Even there's uh, so many testimonies, especially in the Middle East area, of God revealing himself to, to Muslims in dreams them having a vision of Jesus and eventually coming to Christ through a dream. Now, let me clarify real quick. The Bible, as God's finished word, is our standard. So after the service, if you come up to me and you tell me some crazy dream, we're gonna compare it. If you're like, God is certainly telling me this. We're gonna compare it to scripture. Y'all tracking with that? Like, so we're not just whatever you feel, whatever you dream, whatever you're thinking. Like, no, we're gonna compare it with scripture. But God can speak to people through dreams. And believe it or not, he even speaks to people, like I kind of mentioned a second ago with the Middle East, to people that, that don't know him. In the, in the book of Daniel, we're gonna see in a second, God gave a vision, a dream, to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar, especially at this point, was not a godly man. This was an incredibly, or maybe a better word would be, a terribly prideful, self-centered man who did not fear or did not respect the God of Israel. We'll get into that more later. But this was not a God-fearing man, but God actually gave him a dream. So, let's check it out, because dreams can be weird. All right, Daniel chapter two. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him and sleep deserted him. So the king gave orders to summon the magicians, mediums, sorcerers, and Chaldeans, which these are um, high-ranking, very influential Babylonian men, to tell the king his dreams. When they came and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream about a rat and pizza. Not really, no. (laughs) I've had a dream, and I'm anxious to understand it. The Chaldeans spoke to the king, and we have a little insight into the original languages here. It says Aramaic begins here. They said to the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king, it gets really intense really fast. Listen here. The king replied to the Chaldeans, my word is final. If you don't tell me this dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a garbage dump. Psycho, right? Like dude got intense really quickly. And then listen, he follows up, verse six. But if you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you'll receive gifts, a reward, and great honor from me. So make the dream and its interpretation known to me. I feel like it's the King Nebuchadnezzar's sitting there saying this. He's like, la, 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 like, psycho, right? Question, is what he's asking them to do hard? Yeah, for sure. Hey guys, come on in. I had a dream. You're gonna first tell me what I dreamed, what I dreamt, yeah, what I dreamt. Sounds fancier. What I dreamt, thank you, okay. What I dreamt, (laughs) and then you're gonna tell me what it means and no pressure but if you can't tell me I'm gonna pull your body apart limb by limb but if you can tell me everything will be great what? this is crazy verse seven they answered a second time may the king tell the dream to his servants and we will make known the interpretation the king replied I know for certain you are trying to gain some time because you see that my word is final If you don't tell me the dream, there is one decree for you. He's like, hint, remember a few seconds ago I told you you'd be torn limb from limb? That's the decree. That's what's gonna happen. 
You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent until the situation changes. So tell me the dream and I will know you can give me its interpretation. This is unreal. This is, this is not a fair request. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king. No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. So they throw in the towel. King, we can't do this. And because your task is so impossible, no king ever before has actually required this of somebody. This is ridiculous. This is, we can't do this. I'm with them, right? Like, he seems crazy. I'm with them. This is an impossible task. They, they say, again, they're pagans. They don't know the God of the Bible. They say only the gods, little g, plural, only the gods could reveal something like this and they don't, we're not them. <laughs> so we can't help you. Verse 12. Because of this, the king became violently angry and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. The decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Someone has a temper problem, <laughs> right? He says, you know, fine, you can't answer me? I'm gonna kill all, all of you guys. Everyone that falls into this category of wise men, magician, sorcerer, gonna kill all of you. Did you pick up the end there? It says they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. Some of you know, some of you don't, who's Daniel, who the book is named after, right? If you go back to chapter one, we're not gonna read all this, but chapter one gives the context of the book of Daniel. That King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, the, the reigning world power at that time, had come and seized Jerusalem, conquered, uh, yeah, conquered God's people, you could say, and stole away, kidnapped, if you will, so many of the brightest and best, sharpest young people from Jerusalem, from Judah, from Israel, took them to Babylon, took them to the capital. And Daniel and his buddies, do you remember their names that we normally call them by? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, yep, absolutely, Abednego. They're, they're there with him. And they are considered some of the wise men because they're the, the brightest and best, the sharpest. So now there, though they had nothing to do with what was going on, now they're gonna get killed because Nebuchadnezzar is throwing a pity party or a tantrum, right? Sounds like a toddler. <laughs> Verse 14. They're out searching for them. I love this. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? I love this. Every time I read this, it makes me think of, you remember that scene in uh, Jurassic World where uh, a man falls into the pit with the raptors and Chris Pratt, like the main character of the story, walks out into the, or runs out into the cage and the raptors are coming up and he's like, whoa, boy. You know what I'm talking about? This is Daniel right here, right? King Arioch, or not King, uh, Arioch, the captain of the guard. And these men are coming to kill all the wise men. And Daniel's like, whoa, like, let's take a breath here, boys. Like, why, why so harsh, right? Why so serious, right? 
chill out a little bit. It says he has wisdom intact. And it says they're coming to execute. I don't think this is like they're coming, there's room for disagreement here. My reading of this, they're coming to execute, is not like they're gonna round them up. No, they're coming sword drawn, like we're about to kill all these white, quote, wise men, because King Nebuchadnezzar is mad, and we, we don't want him mad at us, so we're gonna kill them on the spot. And that's why Daniel's like, whoa, why, why is the king so harsh here? What's the rush? It says, the text says that, where's, oh, there we go. Um, verse 15, he asked Arioch, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so they could give the interpretation. Students, you ever gone to your teacher and asked to, you know, I just really wanna do some extra credit, but you have no idea how you're gonna get the extra credit? <laughs> it's kind of the picture here. Daniel goes to the king and like, he doesn't know the dream yet, he doesn't know the interpretation, but he just goes like, yeah, king, I'm gonna give you the interpretation, I just need a little time, right? Need a little time. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yep, exactly. Listen to this, verse 18. Urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. Can, can you imagine that night? I have no doubt that the three of them, Daniel's three friends, knew what was going on. Can you imagine Daniel coming in like, hey, hey boys, I, I bought us some time, but we need to pray. I, I have no doubt when he says, it says he was urging them, like, hey, if God doesn't intervene, we're gonna lose all of our limbs, we're going to die. <laughs> so we need to pray. Can you imagine the intensity of that night? Like talk about a prayer meeting, you know what I'm saying? Whew. Knowing if God doesn't show up, we're gonna die. And this, this, I guess if we could just be real, put aside the super, super spiritual, of course I have faith. That would have been hard for me, right? Like I don't, let's just be real, I struggle sometimes trusting just to be really uh, honest, but we're in the process of looking for a new high school pastor and all those things and asking God for wisdom and discernment and found myself the other day like, man, what if God doesn't give us clarity? What if God doesn't show me? And then I feel like the Lord was like, you gonna trust me, buddy? Like, but it was something as simple as that. Daniel and his buddies were asking God to tell them a dream that someone else had. Whew, took some faith. Does God really know everything? And can he communicate that to Daniel? They pray, they pray, they pray. And then it says, verse 19, the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night. And Daniel praised the God of the heavens. You reckon? <laughs> Woo, yes! God showed up. It says, Daniel declared, may the name of God be praised forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. Can you imagine like Daniel's laying in bed, he's sleeping, God gives him this vision, he hops out of bed and he's like, yes, 
God showed up. No one has wisdom and power like you. It says, verse 21, he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my ancestors, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. So he praises God and verse 24 says, right away he gets up and he goes to Arioch and he wants to go to the king because their lives are on the line. And I can't help but think, kind of like when you've, you've made a, a sales pitch or you made, um, at work you're trying to like push forward this idea on, on this project you're working on and when it goes well and you're walking back to your office and you're like, yes, yes, yes. I think that's Daniel right here, right? He's going to the king he's like, yes. Yes, God came through. This is gonna be amazing. It says, he gets before the king, verse 27, or verse 26, and he asked him, are you able to tell me the dream and its interpretation? And I love this, all this momentum, all this hype. Daniel's standing before the king. King Nebuchadnezzar's waiting to hear, can he actually deliver on what he says? Can he actually tell me what I dreamed? So he asked him, and Daniel's response, verse 27 is, no. <laughs> can you tell me the dream I dreamed? Daniel says, Nah, bro, <laughs> I can't. He says, no wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery he asked about. Nobody can do that. King Nebuchadnezzar, you got some problems with the things you're asking people to do. <laughs> but, the big but right here, <laughs> but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I can't do it, King Neb. None of the wise men have the ability to read into your mind. Nobody can, but God can. He has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were in your bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Can you imagine King Nebuchadnezzar leaning in? Daniel hasn't told him the dream yet. He doesn't know if he's got it right or wrong yet. And he says, your majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you. And its appearance was terrifying. The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its stomach and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron and its feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. 
This was the dream. Can you imagine King Nebuchadnezzar in the middle of the night sitting on his throne and he was like, what in the world just happened? This dude just told me my dream. And Daniel doesn't stop there. He's like, oh, king, let me interpret it for you now. He said, your, your majesty, verse 37, you're the king of kings. The God of the heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live, or wild animals, or birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the earth. A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything, and like iron that smashes, it will crush and smash all the others. You saw the feet and toes, partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw the iron mixed with clay and that the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay, the peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain and its interpretation reliable. Drop the mic, walk off. That's what Daniel does. So he tells him the dream, tells him what it means, and then he's like, hey, you could take that to the bank, King Nebuchadnezzar. Take it to the bank. It is sure. He has some confidence. Notice King Nebuchadnezzar, I keep reading, at this point, Daniel's probably standing there like, all right, King, King Neb, what are you gonna say? If you're wondering, what is the statue about? Fair question. Daniel told us, Babylon was the head of gold. Under that chest was the Medo-Persian Empire, then Greece, and then Rome. So here's what's cool. At that point, so we're looking back on, on those things. I'm gonna talk about the future in just a second. We're looking back on those countries, those nations, historically, we know God called his shot. You know what I'm saying? He called it. That's exactly how history played out. God not only knew King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, God actually knew and knows the future and called it. There's, at the end there, we talked about in those days, in the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. He's talking about the kingdom of God, right? And without getting too far into it, uh, so we hold a premillennial view of the kingdom. And I think within that, there's, there's kind of two ways that we could read this passage and, and still be for sure within orthodoxy. One of those being the historical premillennial view in that when Jesus came, the kingdom of God is already but not yet, meaning it's begun, it's been inaugurated, but we don't see the kingdom of God in its fullness. So for example, we would not say that the kingdom of God has crushed all other kingdoms, right? Like if you went to North Korea and said that to a Christian, they would be like, I don't sense that right now, right? Or Iraq or wherever. Um, 
So it's the kingdom of God already, but not yet. The dispensational view of, of this would be that verse 44 and on has not yet happened yet. That is actually talking about uh, that the Roman Empire has not fully been defeated or even um, dissipated and that there will be a revived Roman Empire, so to speak, and of course the Antichrist, and that it's fully referring to a future time. Whichever the case, whether you believe that some of this has been fulfilled, but certainly not all of it, or if you feel like really verse 44 and on has definitely not at all been fulfilled, whatever the case, if you get distracted by the statue, you're missing the point of this passage. Those are important. Those are important things to study for sure. But the point of the passage is revealed in Nebuchadnezzar's response. I would say if your response is not that of Nebuchadnezzar's, a pagan king, then we're missing the point. Y'all with me? So let's finish out. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshiped Daniel. We're not gonna worship Daniel. Don't do that. <laughs> and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, here's the response we're looking for. Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. What was the important response to Nebuchadnezzar? To look at Daniel and say, there's no God like your God. There's no one that knows and controls the future except your God. Believer, Christian, that is the God that we worship, amen? who is completely sovereign over all of human history. He knows and controls the future. I like to think of it as God is like a potter sitting at his wheel as it spins. He is forming human history, our world as we know it, the world to come, heaven. And every little fold, every little crease of the pottery passes through the potter's hand. Nothing in your life currently, nothing in your life that has already happened or nothing in your life to come will not pass through the potter's hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. That's why he can do what he did in Daniel because he knows what he's making. To go back to last week's metaphor of him being the master conductor, he already knows the song that he's written and we're just playing into it. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He's got it all in his hands. You know what's cool? The original recipients of this book, Daniel, they would have received this while in exile in Babylon, many of them, under a foreign pagan king Seemed like their world had, not seemed like, their world had completely fallen apart. Everything they knew had been stripped away from them. And they receive this book telling them that God's still in control. God still knows and controls the future. And you're in his hands. You know what I think that allows us to do? That truth that he has the whole world in his hands? 
it allows us when in our minds, we kind of get in our head a little bit and we begin to have that self-talk of man, like, oh my gosh, like I just, my emotions, they're swirling and I don't know if this is gonna work out and I don't know like where I'm gonna go to college. I don't know what's gonna happen with my kids or my grandkids or I don't know if this job is gonna work out. Like, I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it when that happens because of this biblical truth that God is all powerful and has the whole world in his hands. When that happens, you can go, hold up. <laughs> Wait a minute. I remember who holds everything. Amen? When the world around you, be it here at church, be it at work, be it at school, be it on social media, tries to arrest you with fear of, and I get it, I get it. But when it tries to arrest you with fear of, man, like, I just don't know where our country's going, if there's any hope, and I'm so worried about you kids, the kind of world you're gonna grow up in, that's a fair concern, but you know what you can say, young people, or anybody? Hold up. You're right. You don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. So hold up a second. I'm gonna trust him and not live in fear. Amen? It's easier said than done. When you, when the enemy stirs anxiety in your heart of, man, you're not gonna make it. Your situation's hopeless. Like, I don't know, there's no way you can get out of this. There's no way you can move forward through this failure. You're stuck. You can say, hold up, Satan. <laughs> I know who's in charge, and it's certainly not you. <laughs> God is in charge. I'm gonna trust him. I remember, told, I've told this story, but never in here. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll share it in a short version. Um, when Lauren had our twins, uh, she, got, she got real sick. And it definitely, I don't wanna like make it like a terrible story because lots of people have it way worse. But she did get pretty sick, like sick enough that the, um, her, her doctor and some of the nurses were catching me in the hallway and going, hey, I hope you know, like, we're, we're worried about your wife. Like this is, this is not good. Like things don't turn, this could get really bad. And I'm like, that's what I needed to hear, right? Um, it wasn't good. Hadn't, uh, again, it, this is a very short-lived thing, so I don't wanna over-dramatize. Anyways, um, Hadn't, for a few days, our, our son was in ICU, which, man, he ended up doing great, but you know if you're a parent, like when you're not having any sleep and it's like day two of, of newborns and one's in the, in the NICU, you just like start to feel a little crazy. So Hadn was in the NICU, and Carolina Tate was, uh, at that point, her weight was coming down, so she was in the three-pound range, which is pretty little, um, and I remember Lauren was asleep. The doctors or the nurse had just told me they were really worried about her and her recovery. I'd just come back from seeing Haddon in the NICU. Had like tubes and uh, whatever, IVs in his head and stuff because he kept pulling them out of his arms or they kept coming out of his arms. So they're in his head. That wasn't fun. And I'm holding Carolina Tate in my arms and having it out with God. Like looking back, it maybe seems a little like immature of me, but I was just mad. God, this is supposed to be a cool, fun occasion. Haddon's over there with tubes in his head at five pounds. Carolina Tate is really, really tiny. Like, is she gonna be okay? My wife's not doing, God, not doing good. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I remember holding my little girl. And God just kind of whispering to me, hey, how you're holding her and she's kind of clueless to the world around her. And she's just trusts in your arms, 
I need you to do that with me, buddy. <laughs> I need you to just let me hold you. Because I got this, Hayes. <laughs> I got this. Things didn't get better right away, but it was amazing how I remembered who actually holds the world in his hands. Man, I can live with confidence and boldness and trust. He's got the little bitty babies, right? What's the next line? He's got you and me. That's right. Some of you this morning just need to trust. It's been a weird, if you think in terms of month to month, we're almost to March. It's been a weird year. <laughs> lots of unknown, lots of new things. You know who's not changed what he's doing? God. God's still sitting at his potter's will, still shaping and forming. And everything you've experienced, everything you will experience, has come through his hands. Some of us this morning just need to trust. God, help me to trust that you're in control, that you hold me. You hold the world. So I'm gonna tell my emotions and my fear and my anxiety to hold up. <laughs> Some of you need to do like Daniel and his buddies and recognize that God does know and control the future and so you need to seek some wisdom from him. I'm not saying like now you're gonna have this vision in the night. I'm not saying that at all, not at all. I'm saying maybe you've been trying to do things on your own and get out of a, a pickle, if that makes sense, on your own and you need to actually go to God for wisdom and insight <laughs> knowing that he's in control and newsflash, you're not. <laughs> Others of you this morning, you're not a Christian yet. You're, you're, you've kind of pushed back from Jesus because you recognize he's in control and you're not sure how you feel about it. May I remind you that the same God who holds the world in his hands left heaven's throne to come and die on a sinner's cross so you can know salvation and forgiveness. He left heaven's throne and lived a perfect life that you and I have certainly not lived because <laughs> we are broken, sinful people from the inside out. And even though you're broken, he died for you. Bearing your sin, bearing your shame and guilt and the condemnation you deserve. And three days later, he rose again. <laughs> giving you hope and purpose and love and forgiveness if you'll turn to him. So this morning, if, if God as sovereign and father and in control scares you, know that that same sovereign in control, God the Father, also died on a cross for you. You can trust him. The one who holds the world in his hands, by the way, has scars in his hands. You can trust him. As the worship team comes up, I'm gonna pray for us. There's gonna be in a moment some of our pastors down front, if you would like just for prayer or maybe to talk some, to someone about what it means to, to know Jesus, or maybe you would like some prayer for, for trusting God and, and, and um, <laughs> resting the fact that he's in control. 
So we'll be here to talk with you, to pray with you, and then we're gonna sing a quick song um, to just kind of solidify this truth in our hearts. If y'all would, let's go ahead and stand and I'll pray for us. Jesus, help us to rest and trust that you are good and that you are sovereign and you're in control. God, help us to keep our uh, emotions, our anxieties in check, to keep the lies from the enemy in check, to keep the fear of the world in check and say, hold up, I know who holds me. God, as we sing this song, would you draw us to yourself? Would you lead us to repentance and to faith and trust and your goodness and your sovereignty? It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 